Seltzer Kings podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What do you mean nothing's working, Gavin? The, 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 compu- the computer broke. I've been here an hour and a half. Ass. The following podcast contains... Now, cursing is not something that most comedians do. Sorry for cursing. I want you to stop cursing. I've been, I've been using all the wrong swear words. Explicit language. Hello and welcome to the podcast that asks a simple question. When you signed the document promising to never talk about it and then you did a podcast about it, what the hell were you thinking? I'm your host Dave Bledsoe and this is a Friday, October 20th, 2017 Little Green Dudes edition of the show, where it's part one of our Halloween spooktacular. Stay tuned. The What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast is brought to you by Glaxor and Glaxor Doctors of Proctology. Colon health is a taboo topic in today's society, but here at Glaxor and Glaxor, it's no laughing matter. A regular checkup and extensive rectal probing are keys to good colon health. A routine scan of your human anus and with our applied probe technology reduces your risk of cancer and expands our knowledge of humanity's most confounding mystery. Sign up today for your free rectal probe by stimulating your cortical center along the 7th axial nerve cluster, and we will beat you straight to our mothership for an extensive probing. Use the promo code SEMINAL and donate genetic material to the Galactic Species Wank Bank. We wanted to believe. We wanted to call out. On August 20th and September 5th, 1977, two spacecraft were launched from the Kennedy Space Flight Center, Florida. They were called Voyager. Each one carries a message. I send greetings on behalf of the people of our planet. We step out of our solar system into the universe seeking only A gold-plated record depicting images, music, and sounds of our planet, arranged so that it may be understood if ever intercepted by a technologically mature extraterrestrial civilization. Thirteen years after its launch, Voyager 1 passed the orbital plane of Neptune and essentially left our solar system. Within that time, there were no further messages sent, nor are any planned. We wanted to listen. It's the middle of October, and that's the time of year when the pumpkin spice dominates the minds and hearts of America. He who controls the spice controls the universe. The time of year when we goosties and goblins take to the streets in the annual extortion of candies and or the face the retribution and the, the spurned in the form of toilet paper trees and burnt out cars lying in streets because the monsters are not fucking around this year. As I sit in my pumpkin patch pondering the horrors that unfold around me on a daily basis, I find myself yearning for a simpler time, when the only thing we had to fear was fear itself, and not the yawning chasm of annihilation that looms before our feet every single goddamn morning when I read the tweets. Oh, God, why, why does it have to be like this? Why? 
Oh, it's because humanity's a festering stew of raw shit and awful, and there's no God. That being said, I've decided to indulge the reason for the season with a pair of shows loosely based around the paranormal, the occult, the otherworldly, and just downright silly. These shows are going to differ a little bit from our usual shows, only in the outlandish things that I'm talking about probably didn't happen, and even if they did, which I will never admit either way, they are still more sane and reasonable than anything I've experienced since this time last year. Remember last year? Remember when Trump was just a... Like, nothing more than a bad dream. And now it's like a long national nightmare that's, that's never gonna end. Anyway, for part one, I guess we're gonna turn our eyes to the heaven and look up into the sky. Space, the final frontier. Or rather, we bring space down to Earth with tales of extraterrestrial visitations, abductions, appearances, and of course, numerous and repeated violations of redneck rectums. So he says, rectum damn near killed him. So gather around, children, so that you may hear the tales of Fanog from planet Knockir. That was... What the fuck was that? Who wrote that? Fire the intern, Gavin. Fire the joke intern. We, we really have to get better writers on this show. UFOs, flying saucers, little green dudes, E.T., the extraterrestrial, abductions, visitations, close encounters of all kinds. People have been seeing strange shit in the skies for as long as we've been looking up the skies. I mean, imagine our earliest evolutionary ancestors and the things they must have seen in the sky and then hooted in terror as they scurried towards the trees. This is because the chances were whatever they were looking up in the sky was swooping down to fucking kill them. Hot, delicious human flesh? I mean, even old Ezekiel saw what many consider to be the first UFO sightings when he was wandering around in the desert looking for Yahweh or Jehovah or whatever the fuck name they weren't calling God by those days. From first Ezekiel, And I looked, and behold, a whirlwind came out of the north, a great cloud and fire enfolding itself, and a brightness was about it. And out of the midst thereof, as the color of amber, out of the midst of fire, also out of the midst thereof came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of man. As for the likeness of living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire. And the appearance of lamps, it went up and down amongst the living creatures, and the fire was bright. And out of the fire went forth lightning, the appearance of wheels, and their work was like unto the color of beryl. And they four had the likeness, and their appearance, their work, as if it were a wheel in the middle of a wheel. Though, honest to God, when you read Ezekiel, dude was probably... I was tripping balls pretty hard, man. The sightings continued through the Middle Ages when what appeared to be UFOs are a recurrent theme in Middle and Medieval and Renaissance art. Objects in the sky with people inside, beams of light shooting down, can be found in tons of like old shitty paintings hanging in like churches and museums and shit. I don't know. I don't, I don't do art. Now, admittedly, during the same time as these works were being created, people were also being, acti being actively persecuted for witchcraft. 
by people, I mean women, you know, mostly, like 90% of them. So you have to take these sightings with a grain of salt. Computer scientist and author Jacques Vallée wrote in a book called Wonders in the Sky, The Unexplained Objects from Antiquity to Modern Times. He says this about medieval UFOs, quote, We don't go into the ideology. We're not saying it's proof of an alien anything. We're saying there is a phenomenon, and it has some of the characteristics of the modern phenomenon, and we let it go at that. You still have to account for the differential descriptions because of the changes in the cultures and the changes in the media through which the data has arrived to us. But it was after World War II when aliens started popping up around the world like an unwanted relative during the holidays. You know carving off parts of your cow, sucking up into their spaceship, and shoving their probes up your ass. I've got some strange relatives, all right? Just let that one go. After Roswell in 1947, the narrative of aliens solidified into the popular culture, and the modern UFO phenomenon was born. So Steve is carrying an alien baby in some sort of faux uterus. First in the pulp magazines, then in the movies, and finally television aliens were among us, and baby, they were never going away. And look, seriously, I want to caveat something here. I have wanted to see a UFO my entire life. I've been scanning the heavens looking for one since I was old enough to know what a UFO was. And yet, for as hard as I have looked to date... We ain't found shit! So I I joined the Air Force. I figured if there were fucking aliens, it would be the Air Force that would know about them, right? I mean, Roswell was an Air Force base after all. So on the second day of basic training, I was like, Hey, Sarge, when are we going to see the aliens? Do you know what that fucker did to me? He called me a moron and took a little piece of paper called a 341 because it was the Air Force and we weren't very physical or do push-ups or anything like that. Really, we were just kind of a... I spent the next decade looking for them damn aliens. Never found one. You know what I did find? Mostly a crippling love of alcohol and a penchant for self-destructive romantic relationships. But that is a topic for another podcast. I found one, one single instance where I saw something that might have been off the books. One plane that was super secret, so super secret to this day, I have not seen it dropping bombs on countries filled with brown people without an effective air force. In late 1995, I was on duty. I was a cop, fucking off the far end of the runway at Beale Air Force Base, California. I had myself a big-ass cup of coffee, a pack of smokes, and Art Bell's Coast to Coast AM playing on the radio. Um, well, look, let's begin by finding out whether you're using this line properly or not. Uh, Area 51. Yeah, um, that's right. Were you an employee or are you now? Uh, I, a former employee. Former um, employee. I, I, I was let go on a medical discharge about a week ago, and... And I've I, I kind of been running a, across the country. Um, oh, man, I don't know where to start. They're, uh, they're, they're going to um, they'll triangulate on this position really, really soon. So um, you can't spend a lot of time on the phone, so give us something quick. Okay. Um. Now, Beale Air Force Base was a quiet place. Usually during the middle of the night, the flight line would be shut down. But on this night, and I think it was a Sunday morning around 1 a.m., the runway lights suddenly came up. And they hear the muted sounds of jet engines. They were quieter than normal, almost like a whispering sound of overhead. Now, I'm sitting way back out of the way in a place I'm probably not supposed to be, and no one knows I'm there. So, no one is looking for me. And I see this black shape 
land on the runway and taxi down to a parking apron at the far end of the flight line, not too far from where I'm sitting. A pair of headlights, a few pairs of headlights appear coming down the, the taxiways and the aircraft cools up to a stop. A fuel truck pulls out, a couple of other maintenance vehicles come up, and one single civilian vehicle, a blue or a black sedan, definitely not one of our military sedan, they also pull up. And all I can see revealed by the headlights of the vehicles, which it's not normal, it's not normal when an aircraft arrives at the parking apron that they don't turn up the perimeter lights on the place where the place the plane is parked. But they didn't do that this time. They refueled this plane with nothing more than just the headlights of the vehicle pointing at it. Now, you know, weird shit did happen at Beale. There were classified aircraft arrivals on this parking on the parking area all the time. It wasn't unusual. But usually it would be some big recon bird coming back from overseas on its way to base further inland. Or something like stealth fighters that would come in, they would stop, fuel up, and go. But the plane I saw this night was not one I had not seen before. It was small. It was black. A narrow delta shape with an inverted V tail fin. It looked a lot like an elongated version of the F-117 stealth fighter. But the fins on the end of the plane were pointing towards each other versus away. And I watched this plane being be fueled, then button back up, taxi back to the runway, and take off right over my head again with those same whisper-quiet-sounding engines, and then kick in the afterburners and fucking disappear into the night. I... I had never seen anything like this before, so I was naturally curious. So I got back in my truck, drove on down to the flight line where the security guys were at, and I said, hey, what the hell was that plane that was just on the far end of the runway? The sergeant that was in the truck looking back at me just got this weird look on his face and he's like, hang on a second. He got on the radio and he called our fucking flight commander, the guy that was in charge, the officer that was in charge of like all 60 some odd of us. He rolled out to the flight line. He pulls up next to me and he said, step out of the, step out of the car. I'm blood. So, and I stepped out of the car. We walked back to the end of his car and he says, there was never any plane here. Like, what do you mean? He's like, listen to me. You didn't see a plane. There was nothing here. If you ever speak of this again, it will fucking be bad for you. I'm not joking. Don't fucking talk about this ever. So I saluted and I said, yes, sir, absolutely. I will never speak of it ever. And here we are, what, 20 years later? I'm talking about it on a podcast because honest to fucking God, what are they going to do, really? What's the penalty for getting drunk? Or haven't you programmed that yet? You are being irrational. Go back to bed. <laughs> I was just kidding. Uh, this is a little story I made up. I'm an alcoholic. Everyone knows I'm, I'm, I'm a complete liar. There was no plane. There never was. It's just some story on the radio. <laughs> so, you know, just ignore that story. All lies. Lies to cover up my severe drinking problem. <laughs> Help me. They're here. Military guys. 
are all the time she and shit they're not supposed to talk about. And not just the assholes of Marines United. I had a kennel master who worked at Tonopah Test Range when the stealth fighter was being built. And he had to deal with the locals seeing shit flying around at the night that he couldn't explain, they couldn't explain, and no one could talk about. So I guess the story about the plane I definitely did not see is pretty normal. But not everything in the sky is a plane we can't talk about. Why, during my time at Acre Air Force Base, Arkansas, we had a UFO problem, one so common that we referred to it on the radio with the call sign of The Problem. Which brings us to our way back. Find your way back. Find your way back to our heart. Our way back this week finds us in the northeastern corner of Arkansas, Saturday, October 21st, 1967, 50 years ago, tomorrow. Technical Sergeant Irwin G. Warren is finishing a long overnight shift in the radar approach control tower on Blyfield Air Force Base, Arkansas, a strategic command B-52 alert base just north of Memphis, Tennessee. He and Airman First Class Larry E. Keith are on the tail end of a long shift when the radar picks up an object passing very close to their traffic pattern, less than two miles from the southern end of the runway. Warren and Keith are not particularly alarmed, and they begin scanning the skies near the location of the radar track. Both men clearly saw a large, slow-moving, cigar-shaped object just off the southern end of the runway. And as they observed the object, it turned slightly, separated into two distinct objects. Irwin described the shapes as the kind of blurry light that you would see if a jet went into afterburner. The long cigar-shaped plume of exhaust that comes from the engines. But the objects were moving far too slow for this to be the case. Irwin and Keith's instruments said the objects clocked between 60 and 90 miles per hour. Both men observed the objects for three to four minutes before they suddenly disappeared from their radar screens and then from their sight. As this was occurring in the tower, about a half a mile away at the east parking area, Technical Sergeant Virgil E. Green and Amherst First Class Hugh Rutherford were patrolling the tanker parking area waiting for guard mount to break and their shift to end in a little less than an hour. Tech Sergeant Green was sitting behind the wheel of his patrol vehicle and Amherst First Class Rutherford was standing outside the passenger side door when he noticed the lights near the south end of the runway. Green described the lights as two turkey platter shaped craft rounded at both ends bathed in a soft white light. Rutherford described them as the as moon-shaped, but smaller, with a stream of red light coming from the tail end of each craft. Green radioed the Central Security Control, who coordinated with the tower, where Warren and Keith confirmed that they were observing the same thing, and they had it on radar. The two security policemen watched the craft for just under a minute, before both crafts suddenly shot straight up into the night sky and disappeared. At the same time, the pilot of a Delta Airlines Flight 130 from Los Angeles to Dallas-Fort Worth, passing across northern, northern Texas, spotted an icy blue object, low on the horizon, traversing so slowly at first he thought it was a star. But after observing it for several minutes, he concluded it was far too slow on the horizon for a star and definitely moving left to right from his perspective. The unnamed pilot was not entirely sure what he was witnessing and filed a satellite re-entry or bright fireball replay, uh, report with the, uh, with the airline. In that report, he stated he observed this object for perhaps 10 to 15 minutes. That is a long-ass time for a fireball of a, of a re-entry. 
Because the objects were spotted over a nuclear alert base by so many people, they were reported to the Office of Aerial Phenomenon, otherwise known as Project Blue Book. Unidentified flying objects that people say they are seeing now. Project Blue Book, besides being a show that unduly influenced me as a child, was an official investigation into UFO reports by the United States Air Force under the auspices of the Department of Defense. Because, you know, flying shit. Blue Book, depending on who you ask, is either a serious attempt to investigate the sightings of UFO phenomenon by professional objective investigators, or... It's a global conspiracy, actually, with key players in the highest levels of power and that reaches down into the lives of every man, woman, and child on this planet. You know, depending on who you ask. Blue Book opened an investigation on the report into the sighting and reached out to the observatories and airlines in the area to see if any other sightings were reported in the area at the date and time. None of the observatories reported anything during the time when the incident reported, but two other reports from pilots from different airlines on different routes confirmed a sighting that Sunday morning. Those two other pilots did not see what the first pilot saw, only a brief blob on the horizon that lasted only for a few seconds and disappeared. Blue Book combined the reports from the ground in Arkansas, the observatory's lack of anything, and the reports of all the pilots to reach a conclusion. They saw a meteor. That is such bullshit. Meteors don't last for minutes, which many of the observers reported. But they were tired. Everyone was at the end of their shift. Even the pilot of the Delta flight, who said he saw the object for so long, said in his statement he was tired at the long, at the end of a long overnight flight. But 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 you say the radar reported an object. Cars, my friend. Cars on the highway. Even the radar operator in the tower said at first he thought he was tracking ground targets until he saw the object in the sky. So, the official explanation is a meteor fell, broke into two pieces, and then disappeared, as meteors tend to do. Lieutenant Colonel Hector Quintilla Jr., the officer in charge of Project Blue Book, closed the case, just as he did every other case that he worked on for Blue Book, with the explanation of a natural phenomenon. And, 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 if Colonel Quintiana, there was nothing there. If it was a meteor, what the hell did units routinely get dispatched to investigate from both ends of our flight line at Acre Air Force Base, Arkansas, from 1988 to 1991? Reports of blue-white oblong craft hovering and then rapidly disappearing into the night. Reports that would come in from the RAPCON tower, from the security tower in the alert aircraft parking area, from the security tower in the weapons storage area, from competent capable security policemen, uh, professionals on the ground, sir, men and women trained and certified reliable to work with nuclear weapons at Acre Air Force Base, Arkansas, which used to be known as Blightful Air Force Base, Arkansas. I challenge you, sir, to explain that. Game over, man. It's game over. What are we gonna do now? What say you now, sir? What say you now? Mulder. Don't. Don't even start with me. 
Yeah, I do actually know because I was there. These folks would do anything to break the monotony of hours staring at rivets on a plane that hopefully never took off. I was there for three years. I worked the same shift. I never saw a goddamn thing. The calls would come. I would drive out just to see. And you know what I saw? Nothing. Not a zip zilch fucking nothing because bored and sleepy people were trying to find a way to fill the empty hours. You know what? I suspect old Ezekiel was sitting out in the goddamn desert trying to drum up the way to fill the empty hours just as well, except that he was on a shit ton of drugs. Throughout human history, people have witnessed the phenomenon they didn't understand and could not explain, but this doesn't mean there's not an explanation for what happened. Lights in the sky are usually pretty easy to explain if you have the information. Meteors, weather balloons, secret military planes the government doesn't want you to know about. Always remember the simplest solution to anything is usually the correct one, and extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Aliens from outer space are pretty fucking extraordinary by anyone's measurement. And I'm not even touched on the tales of abductions and visitations. I do this for pretty simple reasons. People make shit up. Oh boy, do they. You can believe that people for any number of reasons, delusions, boredom, attention-seeking, bad dreams from too many jalapeno poppers before bed, see things that are not there, did not happen, and are frankly wildly implausible, or... You can believe that little green dudes from outer space are sucking people up into their saucers because they cannot figure out the mysteries of the human asshole. Take your pick, I suppose. People want to feel special. They need to validate their existence, so they indulge in fantasy to reinforce whatever feelings they feel are lacking. If you take a good hard look at every person who claims they've experienced some sort of alien encounter, you will find a single thread running through every single one of them. The only alien they truly feel is an alienation from a social group or society in general. Show me one socially gregarious, popular, well-adjusted person who claims they were taken by aliens. Just one! Just one! You know what? I'll wait. Even the people who are clearly making shit up for the laughs are, in, are the same. If they were at all well-adjusted, they wouldn't need to seek the validation from the live. Hell, in this day and age, you can find that sort of validation without going to the extreme of making up stories about glowing lights and rectal probes. You could just get a podcast. After all, what is this show but a desperate need for attention from and good opinions from a bunch of randos whom I will never even meet? You don't need to drag Meepzorp from Quatrelon 12 into anything. Just get a microphone and make dick jokes. We are living in the 21st century, people. And again, this is coming from someone who desperately wants to see a genuine UFO from another planet, who wants to meet an alien. I mean, I believe we're not alone in the universe, in the infinite expanse of possibility. Of course, there are other races and civilizations out there, some of whom likely possess the ability to travel between the stars using technology that might as well be magic to us. But it's a big universe, and even if you are cruising at Star Trek warp speed, it takes a long time to get here from there. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is fine
Gavin, swear to God, play one more second of that song and I'll come back in the booth. So yeah, there are probably aliens out there, but they're not coming around because I think the most likely scenario is the universe is crowded with civilizations and they took one good look at us and said to themselves, In fact, you don't want to have anything to do with an asshole like that. And honestly, I don't blame them. I mean, have you seen our species? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That is it for our show this week. All the horrors of the world are ours to play with, right? Here is the season of the witch. And next week, we will continue on theme. At least, assuming there is a next week, I try not to hope for too much anymore. But should the world not end in fire between now and next Friday, I will do ghosts and goblins and things that go bump in the night. I'll tell my own two ghost stories, which, like my UFO stories, have perfectly logical explanations. But shit... It's Halloween, so you can just ignore them and feel good about it. Between now and then, you can send me your tales of the supernatural by emailing me at the what the hell podcast at gmail.com or calling the listener line at 347-687-9601. If you want to strike terror into the hearts of other podcast listeners, rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast. The horror of finding this show should scare them real good. All of my haunting groans are at the hell underscore podcast on Twitter and the show name on Facebook. All of the shows are on SoundCloud and at the show name and at www.whatthehellpodcast.com. For me, Captain Dave Bledsoe, the Federation podcast, What the Hell Were You Thinking? And my first officer, producer Gavin, and all the other fictional crewmen on this show, we want to say that our solar system is centered around the sun, nine planets large and small parading by, but somewhere out in space, there's a shining face, and it's the face of the great old one from beyond from the stars coming to consume us all! Oh my god! We'll see you all next week.
Seltzer Kings. Podcasts.